I think the thing that resonates with people is there's always been an allure to, you know, the road trip and, and getting out there. And, you know, we live in this amazing country that's got all these great things to see. And most people never get to see a lot of that stuff. But so we have this notion of like taking the, this road trip. And I think what resonates with people and, and the, the, the smaller tiny houses that I build is that those small structures are, are very portable. They're, you know, sub 2000 pounds and you can tow them with, with a variety of different types of vehicles. And at the same time, they're incredibly personal and incredibly sort of warm and inviting spaces that you're not going to get from like a mass produced fiberglass camper that's available out there. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 81 with Chris Shapdick. I met Chris at last year's Big Mass Tiny House Festival, where he brought a very unique tiny house called Lil Wing. It's basically a metal triangle with a putting green grass landing. And it's very modern. It's meant to be a little travel trailer. And Chris is actually a tiny house builder with his own company called Tiny Industrial. In addition, he is an author. And so I thought I'd have him on the show to talk about the tiny houses that he's built, the book that he has that's already out, and the book that he has that's coming. Chris is a great guy, and it's a fun conversation. So I hope you'll stick around. But before we get started, if you have questions that you'd like me to answer live on the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast, I've opened a new way for you to submit them. You can now record a question to be answered on the show. To submit your question, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash ask and hit the appropriate button. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash ask, where you can record a question for me to answer on the show. I love hearing from listeners, and I can't wait to answer your tiny house questions, whether it's building, living, or anything related to the tiny house lifestyle. Everything is fair game. Head over to thetinyhouse.net slash ask to submit your question today. Right, I am here with Chris Shapdick. Chris is an author, maker, coach, and tiny house builder, and likes helping others forge their own path. Chris used to lead a nine-to-five office life, which he grew ever more tired of. Curiosity and a willingness to take risks have made this new path infinitely more rewarding since he gets to help people who are struggling to find more meaning and purpose in their lives. Putting his experiences together in a book form has been a way to reach more people to help them as well. Chris Shapdick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I'm curious if we could just start with with your kind of personal story. You know, what brought you to the tiny house movement and then what what made you decide to become a tiny house builder? 
Yeah, it's well, it's, it's, it's as with most things in life, they uh, very often happen sort of by accident and, and not in a planned sort of way. And it's, it's the same thing for me, really. I, I was uh, going back like about five, six years. Um, I was a um, father uh, of, a, of a, like a nine-year-old girl living outside of New York City and, and sort of uh, very heavily uh, populated suburbia here. And um, I kind of regretted that my daughter wasn't really getting a lot of sort of exposure to, um, to nature and, and to things that I had done as a kid, which was, you know, camping, fishing, hiking, these sorts of things. So I started thinking about that more and more, and um, I decided to buy a piece of land sort of a little bit north of New York City with the idea that we would go up there, we would, you know, camp or something. It would be a place to, you know, kind of a destination for the two of us. And um, like one thing led to another, and it was right around that time that I uh, found Jay Schaefer's book, uh, Tiny House book, and that kind of intrigued me. And then I started going online, and I found Tumbleweed Tiny Houses. They were sort of the uh, the go-to at the time. You know, if you go back a, a couple of years, there weren't that many companies doing this sort of thing. And um, and yeah, and and sort of. The, this idea of like having a place to go and camp kind of evolved into, well, what if like I built like sort of a cabin there or, or something like that, that might be better. And yeah, one thing led to another and I wound up um, deciding on a tiny house and, and building a tiny house. I'd opted for a, um, a shell build from, from the tumbleweed folks since I was a little intimidated with doing all the framing and roofing and things like that myself. Uh, so they offered what was called an Amish barn raiser. And um, I went with that and uh, yeah, proceeded to sort of spend the next several years uh, off and on on weekends, kind of finalizing that build and, and doing, you know, all the various things that need to be done, the insulation, the interior and electrical and plumbing and, um, you know, coming up with all the various decisions that, that have to be made in that during that process as well. But, but that's, that's kind of like how, how, uh, yeah, I got from A to B and, and, and now have this, uh, you know, wonderful tiny house in upstate New York. That's awesome. So it's a, it's a tiny house on wheels which, which tumbleweed model is it? It's the Linden. Linden. I don't, they, I don't think they do that one anymore, but but yes, there's the Linden model that has a nice sort of two foot uh, porch on the back of it, uh-huh. and uh, that that appealed to me definitely. And so, do you still you still have that tiny house? Absolutely, yes. That's yes. great. That's great. So you you finished out the tumbleweed one, and then what what was the next step to saying I want to do this for other people? Yeah. Yeah, so when I finished the house, I took it to a, uh, a tiny house show that was taking place uh, in North Jersey, and um, I'd never really intended to to take the house. You know, I didn't build it to travel with. I didn't. You know, it was really just built to um, to to fulfill the purpose that I just described. Uh, but this show was taking place, and I was like, well, you know what? Like, let's let's get more involved in the community because I you know I enjoy this, and let, let's let's get together with some other like-minded people. And uh, it wasn't too far away. It was about a 60 mile drive. You know, my, my truck was up for the task of towing it there. And um, I went to the tiny house show and it was really, 
Um, I didn't know what to expect, quite frankly. And during the course of building the house, maybe 10 people got to see it during that entire time. And over the course of this one weekend, I had like three or 4,000 people trek through the house. And, you know, just the feedback and, and the, you know, the positive sort of reception that I got from people and, 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 and the kind words that they had for the house and, and what I'd done. It's really just very emotionally overwhelming for me. And uh, it gave me a little bit of pause. And, and I thought, well, I don't ever get this kind of reward or feedback from my nine to five job. You know, I go in there, it's thankless. Sure, I get paid. But I'm like crunching numbers on a spreadsheet, writing emails. And that is not very fulfilling. And, and this weekend completely was. So it had me kind of reconsider. Yeah, very large aspects of my life at that point. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, I guess when you're, you know, working a nine to five, which which I did for, for a while as well. Yeah. Nobody like treats your work as like something amazing and special, like worth worth congratulating. But I guess in, in the tiny house world, no. because everything can be so unique, everything kind of reflects the builder or the client or both there is the opportunity to just really, you know, impact people with, with the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And, and, and that house is, is really just an extension of who I am, right? Exactly like what you're describing is it's such a personal thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when in our lives do we really have that opportunity to, you know, create something like that, that that's such an expression of who we are and what we you know, hold to be important so forth right so what was the first what was the well i guess what was the second tiny house you built after your your personal house yeah so so the second tiny house is kind of funny because uh the first tiny house great reception i was like you know that was awesome um i want to do this again the next tiny house show though wasn't so conveniently located that i could just kind of drag my house to it i think it was down in florida Yeah. Like, okay, well, I'm not towing my 10,000-pound house from New York to, to Florida. That's just like, unrealistic. So I was like, well, how do I, how do I get to have this experience again? Um, I'll build another tiny house, and that's when I started building sort of the smaller, more mobile uh, Vardo gypsy wagon-type structures. And I, I put that second tiny house together and in a matter of like six weeks. The first tiny house took like five years to build and the second one took six weeks. And off to Florida I went and uh, it, was, it was really just a, a desire to, to continue to be part of this uh, you know, community and environment. Yeah. So was that the gypsy wagon? Yes. Yes, okay. that was the first gypsy wagon build that I did. Nice. And did you, did you sell that house at the Florida show? I did not sell it at the Florida show. Um, I subsequently sold it, but, um, but it was, yeah, it was something that um, the second build was something that I wanted to sort of, um, I'd I'd already started thinking about, you know, continuing to build these and building uh, more of them for, for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess as part of that process, when I built the, 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 the first gypsy wagon, I documented the entire build and I was, um, thinking like let me do an online course or something like that ultimately it wound up on instructables.com and i got a lot of you know nice feedback there and 
And again, that, my, my point there wasn't really, you know, to make money with it or whatever. It was just something that I did out of pure enjoyment and, 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 the, and the hopes of, 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 you know, helping others, you know, do something similar. Yeah. And I love, I love that you put this up on Instructables and, you know, that website, I feel like it was really um, big in the like, maybe like late aughts, early tens. And it's a wonderful resource. Like people post so many cool projects up there and like you've got a step-by-step basically set of instructions for how to build a gypsy wagon. Now I'm curious now that you've built several more tiny houses, what are, what are some things on that gypsy wagon that, that you would do differently? Well, you know, one thing that's always uh, been been tricky is, you know, when you're working with wood and especially when you're working with plywood, which is kind of the, the exterior shell of, of these gypsy wagons, the, the process of sealing that wood and protecting it from the elements is such a, um, yeah, is, is, is such an important step. And it's, it's tricky, right? Because there's, there's, sure, there's a lot of like sort of marine grade epoxies, but then, you know, you want to you want to use like the environmentally friendly products. Ideally, you worry about things like allergies and off-gassing, and people have sensitivities to all those types of things. Yeah. So that's that's kind of um, that was uh, an, a struggle right out of the gate, and you know, to some extent, like continues to be one where I try to be like very thorough and you know, see and sealing this 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 plywood is, is, is something that that I've always found to to, to be a bit of a struggle. What's the best way you've found to do it? There's a um, there's there's a uh, sort of water based sealant that I use now uh, that I haven't found in any stores, but it's available on on, on Amazon.com. And um, so I apply that to the to the um, to to the untreated plywood, and that creates sort of a, a great sort of base layer to then uh, paint over. There's there's a lot of sealants that I found, or like oils and things like that that you know, subsequently don't lend themselves to being painted over. So that's part of the struggle, right? So, um, so like, for example, if you were to use like a linseed oil or something on plywood, you know, painting over it with latex paint or similar, typically doesn't lead to a very, very good result. So um, the sealant that I'm using now, coupled with like a, you know, a high grade um, exterior paint has, has been sort of the, the method that I've found to be the most effective thus far. And I would imagine that there's also a challenge slash major importance in, in making sure that the end grain of that plywood is, is covered. Well, yes. You know, so that, you know, cause that's where water would really soak in. It's yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. The end grain is, is critical. Uh, and, and I always make it so that the end grain well, typically on the smaller structures, I can make it so that it, the end grain is in, in, in the corners, right? And then I seal and cover up the corners effectively. But you're also mounting that plywood to the interior framing, and invariably you're putting screws and things through that plywood to to, to mount it to the uh, to the framing. And then what I do is, you know, wherever there's there's sort of a, a breach of the plywood and a breach of the exterior paint, I will. You know, I will paint over the screw heads and and, and 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 do whatever I can to to restore that integrity. Right. Now, do you offer shells 
of of gypsy wagons to people kind of it's almost like you're paying it forward like you got the shell from tumbleweed for your first tiny house do you offer that to to people absolutely yeah and and the shells tend to be pretty popular because people have their own ideas and and quite frankly it's it's a great way to save money too right because um it, for, for me to finish out a build for somebody involves my labor which of course i have to charge for um versus them doing it so if they're reasonably comfortable with doing the insulation on the inside, for example, or covering the walls with some tongue and groove pine, painting, you know, things like that. Um, if they're comfortable doing that, then yeah, a shell makes perfect sense. And yeah, I do get a lot of sort of inquiries about shells. And the beauty of it too is, is that you can mix and match, right? You can get a, just a very plain shell where there's no door on the thing, no windows, nothing. Or you can say, well, you know, I'd like a shell, but I want you to put in the windows and I want you to uh, put, you know, the solar system in for me and, uh, you know, like, like that type of thing. So you can, you can mix and match all those various things to get to both, you know, to hit your, your, your price point on your budget and to, to get to a point where you're comfortable with, with finishing out the rest of the work yourself. Got it. Yeah, I think that is a nice way to both skip some of the heavy lifting and also, you know, as an amateur builder, skip the, did I seal this correctly? Is this going to leak? Is this structure going to fall down? And just get to focus on the aesthetic things that in a way don't matter. I mean, they matter, but they're not, you know, if you do a bad job with your window trim, the house isn't going to fall down. It's just going to look bad. Exactly. Exactly. And you can always redo the window trim if you're not yeah. happy. Yeah, exactly. Nothing's, nothing's, you know, chiseled in stone here. So there's a couple more tiny houses that I want to ask you about. And then, and then I want to ask you about the book that you just wrote. Um, the first one um, is actually the first tiny house of yours that I saw in person, which is the Lil Wing. Oh, yeah, the Lil Wing, yes. And this, like, I'll post pictures of this on the show notes page. I guess it's, it's like it's a pentagon. It's a five-sided shape. Um and it's it's sided and roofed in aluminum and it's got a green like golf uh almost like a uh, like a putting green um deck landing strip. So what was the inspiration for this house? Did you like come up with the shape and and go with it or tell me about the little wing? I'll be brutally honest here. I um, so I built that the, the the gypsy wagon that I took to that Florida show that I mentioned, and you know it was done up really nice. I had the interior all done up, lots of live edge wood. I had sort of uh, flower planters on the outside, and I'd gotten so much. A lot of people were looking at it and they were like, "Oh, it's so cute! It's so cute! It's so cute!" Like I kept hearing this, and I was like, "Okay, great." So I wanted to do something sort of like very counter that, like I wanted the pendulum to like sort of swing in the other direction. And I was like, well, what can I build where people won't where people will think it's cool, but they won't necessarily immediately associate the word cute with it. Right. And it was kind of the genesis of the little wing design. It was a, it was sort of an aviation inspired thing, right. With the, with the aluminum on the outside, I'd always been sort of an aviation buff. So I wanted to kind of recreate that you know, mid, uh, mid 20th century, uh, aluminum 
space age look kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Yeah. And uh, so th- that was kind of the rationale there. And, and then at the same time, I'd, I'd come across some uh, airplane seats on eBay that I purchased. So it was like, oh, those make perfect sense uh, inside of the structure, right? That's already got this sort of aviation look and feel to it. Nice. And, and yeah, and it, it kind of, yeah, it was, it was kind of more of a creative endeavor. And, and you, know, you mentioned the deck and I put, you know, the artificial grass on there. And I wanted something, I wanted something unique and I wanted something different. And, and I think it kind of achieved that goal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's aerodynamic too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Aerodynamics save you a couple of gallons of, of, of fuel on the road. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that these smaller structures that kind of bridge the space between a tiny house on wheels and like a camper where you're getting the the fit and finish of a tiny house on wheels, but the size and you know, lighter weight easier to travel with. Have you found that there's a there's a strong reception and like, you know, people want structures like this? I think the thing that resonates with people is there's always been an allure to, you know, the road trip and, and getting out there. And, you know, we live in this amazing country that's got all these great things to see. Right. And most people never get to see a lot of that stuff. But so we have this notion of like taking this road trip. And I think, I think what resonates with people and, and the, the, the smaller tiny houses that I build is that one, those, those, those small structures are, are very portable. They're, you know, sub 2000 pounds and you can tow them with, with a variety of different types of vehicles. Yeah. And at the same time, they're incredibly personal and incredibly sort of warm and inviting spaces that you're not going to get from like a mass produced fiberglass camper that's available out there right so i I think this allure of the the great american road trip coupled with this very warm and inviting small highly portable structure i think resonates with people and and um i think that's that's been part of the appeal absolutely well i want to ask about one more tiny house which is the oculus north and so this Uh, one looks like it's it's going further toward that full-time living um you know fully off-grid full bathroom um but still you know small for tiny houses these days you know there's no loft right it's only 7000 pounds so very towable with you know a variety of trucks right what was the inspiration for this one so yeah, I wanted to build. I, I'd gotten a lot of inquiries for larger structures. You know, sort of as you're saying, it's kind of like a little bit more livable in terms of having the full bathroom and, and so forth. So that was part of the uh, rationale for for the for the Oculus design. The other part of the Oculus design was was again, quite frankly, the workspace that I have, the the workshop that I have as a ten by ten garage door. I don't have the big 15 foot, you know, door. So I had to kind of build inside the box, if you will, versus uh, outside the box. (laughs) 
and building inside the box uh, meant that I couldn't build a structure that was taller than, than 10 feet high. Um, so I, I worked with things like drop axle trailers to maximize the amount of space that I could get in there. And invariably it led to, to yes, sort of single floor living and, and, and the structure that, you know, you see in front of you. Yeah. But, but yeah, that was, that was kind of the background. And, and, and yeah, I'd, I'd had some people reach out to me that wanted to do sort of Airbnb rentals and, and things like that. And, and, and this was kind of a good size uh, and, and feature set that people were, were looking for in that regard. Nice. And, and I saw on Facebook that it is actually, or one of the Oculus North houses, I'm not sure how many you've built, is available as an Airbnb. Correct. Yeah, there's, there's one. It's um, if you... You go on Airbnb and you type in Narrowsburg, New York, which is in the Catskills region. It's sort of the where New York State hits Pennsylvania, just north of the New Jersey border. Yeah, um, it's available there for rental, and and yes, it's uh, yeah. I think it makes for a great, great sort of Airbnb space. Yeah, it look it does look like that. I mean, it's got a, a small kitchen where you could, you know wash a couple of dishes, make some coffee, but it's not like, you know, a full on like cook a meal for five people kitchen, but like for an Airbnb, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. It's, it's like camping with none of the hardship for sure. Right. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. camping to the next level. And, and yeah. And I think if you have a small space like that, you know, it's great. It's got the full bathroom shower, you know, you can do all that. That you've got the queen size bed, so you're not like uncomfortable in terms of sleeping, and the rest of the time, ideally, you're you're outside anyway, right? Enjoying nature, like that's that's yeah. the whole point. So, um, so it, it kind of checks all those boxes, and, and and like you said, yeah, it's got the kitchen, cook yourself something, it's got the uh, twelve volt, um, you know, fully solar powered fridge. Yep. So yeah, it's 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 it's, it's kind of a good package in that way. Absolutely. So you're also an author amongst, you know, building all these tiny houses. Tell, tell us about your book. Yeah, the book, I, I uh, well, you know, for one, if you told me that I was going to write a book five years ago, like I would have said, like, no way, that's never happening. But, but yeah, I, I was approached by a publisher that was looking to do a book on, on, on tiny houses and tiny living. and. Um, in conjunction with them, I, you know, we sort of came up with this concept and, and, and the concept was kind of like, well, let's, let's do a book on, you know, all the various things and aspects that, that you need to think about when you're thinking about tiny houses and let's have it be in sort of, you know, a very kind of nice package with like lots of pictures to give people ideas let's put some checklists in there let's let's address you know the the big issues around tiny living which which are you know the legalities the ever changing legal, legalities around tiny living and all the other things that you need to think about and and i think sometimes people think like well i like tiny houses i'm never actually going to build one myself i'm going to hire somebody to build it therefore i don't really need to know all this stuff right and and I guess, yeah, sort of, but, but even if you have somebody build a house for you, 
you still need to have an idea of like the things that you want in there and the things that are important to you and why you're doing something in the first place. Yes, no, maybe. And what kind of insulation material do you want? You know, the ever popular question of like, what kind of toilet do you want in your house? And are you comfortable with? Like, these are all things that you need to think about regardless of whether you, you ever plan to build a house yourself or, or, or have somebody do it for you. So that was kind of the, the genesis of this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that even if you're planning to hire someone to build your house, understanding all the systems and how they go together will ultimately lead to a better product. I mean, tiny houses are complicated because they're tiny. And I think the more that a consumer can be educated on how they're built, the better, they're, the better they'll do. Yeah. And, and, and to some extent, it was also, you know, it was the kind of book that I wish I'd had when I first started out on this path. And it just simply didn't exist. And, and I, I ran a lot of Google searches. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. And to some extent, this book will certainly save you a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of time in that regard, because it kind right. of, so it tries to be all encompassing in that in that sense, you know. Yeah, and what what's the title of the book? Uh, the title is "The Joy of Tiny House Living." Nice. It's available on Amazon and bookstores near you. <laughs> and so, when did it when did it come out, and how has the reception been? Uh, it came out sort of early summer this year, twenty nineteen, and uh, yeah, the reception's been great. I. Um, Get a lot of people reaching out and, and, and telling me that, you know, they, they really like the book and that it's been like really helpful in, in helping them organize their thoughts around, you know, what, what they're trying to do. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so, yeah, no, the re- reception's been really good. Well, that's great. And so you offer um, consulting as well, correct? I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, again, it's my, my goal is, is to, 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 to really help people. and. I get a lot of joy out of, out, out of doing that. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's similar to, to what you do, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're, you're always trying to both educate people and give people the resources that, that they're looking for, you know, the part by way of these podcasts and so forth. So it's, it's really no different for me. Like I, I, I take a lot of pleasure in, in, in doing that and, and yeah, it's, 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 it's very rewarding when, you have people that uh, that you know turn around and, and say thank you, and, and, and you know this has been really helpful, and that, that makes it kind of like all worthwhile to me. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So, one thing that I like to ask all of my guests is, what are two or three resources that helped you out along on your tiny house journey that you'd like to share with our listeners? Sure. So, um, well, you know, like, like I said, the, the initial nudge for me to, to get into tiny houses was Jay Schaefer. So like, I, I, I want to, you know, tip my hat to him being sort of a pioneer of the, the, the modern, uh, tiny house movement as, as, as we like to call it. Uh-huh. And, um, so, so I, you know, I, I, I think that's great. Um, you know, beyond that, I, I think, this has become kind of possible, like people building their own houses and people doing all these things in part has become possible because of, because of the, the internet, right? Because before the internet, 
where were you going to acquire all the various types of expertise and the various types of knowledge right. that are now available sort of to everybody, right? So it's sort of this democratization of, of, of information, I think, has been so key in, in making um, all of this possible. And, and, and like I said, yeah, to that end, all the Google searches, all the people who have blogs out there like, like you do, podcasts, the, the YouTube videos, all of the people that, that, that do that sort of thing, or, or even the instructable, you know, like I, um, I wasn't the first person to, to put, a, put up a, an instructable on how to build a gypsy wagon. I, I just did my own spin on it, you know, and there's, there's other people that came before me and that, that did that. Right. That all helps everybody else down the road, you know, paying it forward, like you said earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that answer. I, th- I think that you've done a, a good job of kind of embodying that yourself. And so I, I think that, that you're doing good work. Thank you. And it, it sounds like you have another book in the works. Um, can you tell us about it or is it super secret? No, it's not super secret. Uh, yeah, I have another book in the works. It's slated to come out uh, in 2020. And it's kind of a, it's a bit of a, uh, a supplement to the book that's already out. So The Joy of Tiny House Living is really about, it, it's not a hands-on book, right? It's, it's about, more about the concepts, like I said, the legalities, things you need to think about if you're pondering going tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second book is kind of more of a hands-on book, and it actually details and outlines the actual build of, of one of the smaller uh, gypsy wagons. So think of it as like sort of the the instructable that you referenced earlier on steroids. And I kind of walk people through building at first a, a shell, and then they can turn that into whatever they want. You know, you, you want a pool house for your backyard, you want a yoga studio, you want a home office, whatever it is, you can turn that shell into. And then I, for the purpose of the book, I turn the the shell that I create and sort of part two of the book into the camper tiny house that I've, that I've built a number of times now and and that sort of form factor. Awesome. Well, that sounds like a great book. I look forward to, to seeing it and reading it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Chris Shaptick, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. This was really fun. Yeah, no, I've had a good time. Thanks for having me on. You can find the show notes from today's episode, including photos of Chris's tiny houses at thetinyhouse.net slash 081. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 081. Thank you so much to Chris Shaptick for being a guest on the show. And a quick announcement before we go. If you live in the Northeast and you'd like to come see me speak live, you have two opportunities in the next couple of weeks. The first is the Big Mass Tiny House Festival, which is taking place in Beverly, Massachusetts, October 19th and 20th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. I'll be there on the 20th and will be leading a live podcast roundtable discussion about building a tiny house from salvaged materials. And the following weekend on October 27th, I'll be at Tiny House Fest Vermont in Warren, Vermont, also leading a live podcast discussion about what the future of the tiny house movement will be. These festivals are a great opportunity to tour tiny houses, 
to meet people who live in tiny houses and to learn about the lifestyle from the legality to financing to building and everything in between. These are a great opportunity for you to learn more about tiny houses and the movement. So again, those two events are the fifth annual Big Massachusetts Tiny House Festival, October 19th and 20th in Beverly, Massachusetts, and Tiny House Fest Vermont, October 27th in Warren, Vermont. There are links to both of those festivals on the show notes page for this episode at thetinyhouse.net slash 081. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 081. All right, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.